Welcome to the Frankly Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Quinlan Reichs, and today I am joined by Anna Krasinovska, founder and president of Estima, as well as regional research fellow for the Western Balkans at the Choice Platform and a research associate at the Hellenic Foundation for European and Foreign Policy. Today we are discussing the challenges and opportunities of China-Western Balkans relations and how Chinese influence in the Western Balkans is already a significant cause for concern in the EU. The Albanian Prime Minister, Edi Rama, made a statement recently claiming that his country saw zero economic benefits from China's 17 plus 1 economic cooperation bloc. 14 plus 1, of course, after the recent departures of Lithuania, Estonia and Latvia. This also follows from the shockwaves that were sent through the EU and China after the newly inaugurated Czech president, Petr Pavel, made a call of support for Taiwanese president Tsai Ing-wen and even promised to visit the country, making him the first sitting EU president to do so. Now it seems that Central and Eastern European countries are running the very real risk of economic coercion from an exasperated Beijing. And that begs the question, how can the European Union and the Western Balkans make sure that the region does not become a geopolitical pawn in the play between Europe and China. We will be discussing all this and more. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for being here uh, today with us, Anna, for the Frankly Speaking podcast. In recent years, you've really been able to position yourself as one of the top China watchers in the Western Balkans. And in 2020, you've even founded your own think tank, Estima, which focuses on EU-China-Western Balkans relations. So my, my first question will be, especially for our younger audience listening to us to this, can you tell us a bit about your journey and how you got where you are today? Thank you for the invitation. Well, I've been working on uh, China and China-related issues for over 15 years. I started as a Sinologist after I finished my studies in Beijing and came back to Europe. Then I worked for some time in the Macedonian government and then moved on to the civil society. But I realized that China is an underexplored topic in civil society. There is a lack of expertise in the Western Balkans. And I wanted to focus on this niche um, knowledge, uh, China, Europe and Western Balkans. So that is how Estima came into being. Mm -hmm. That's that, that, that's incredibly interesting. And, you know, nowadays, China is such a big topic. There's really no way to 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 not discuss China no matter what the issue is that, that that we're talking about, be it climate change or geopolitics or really anything that happens. It's it's such an important player. And I think it's it's really great that you're advancing this uh, this knowledge in the Western Balkans. Um, so we ask you specifically here today to also look how these relationships have changed in, over the past year with Russia's invasion of uh, of Ukraine. We've seen a lot of things change in Europe and the Western Balkans, and in particular, We've seen EU-China relations become a lot more strenuous and perhaps become more strenuous than they've ever been uh, due to China's tacit support for, for Russia. Um, recent reports even suggest that China may be selling attack drones and other lethal equipment to, to Russia, which only complicates this relationship further. How does this impact the Western Balkans and, and kind of the middle position that the Western Balkans have? How would you characterize the relationships that the Western Balkans and specifically North Macedonia, where you're from, has had with China? Uh, and how have you seen these relationships change over the past year? The Russian invasion in Ukraine certainly exacerbated the polarization in the region, the East versus the West. 
with the Western Balkan countries caught somewhere in the middle and having to, to make a decision. And this had different impact on different countries. We have on one hand NATO members, such as North Macedonia, Albania or Montenegro, which have a very firm pro-Western position. So when it comes to, to these countries, there was no dilemma on which side uh, they would be standing and whether they would be helping Ukraine or not. On the other hand, we have Serbia and Bosnia and Herzegovina, namely the Republika Srpska part in Bosnia, which are uh, largely pro-Russian and pro-Chinese, and they uh, refuse to introduce sanctions uh, towards uh, Russia. So I think that the region is uh, very diverse when it comes to, to, to the uh, position on, on this issue, but at the same time, there is a lack of public debate. I don't think that citizens have access to information that analyzes um, in a very specific manner what the war implies for our countries uh, to make a direct link between the crisis, the economic crisis, inflation, energy crisis that we're feeling and the Russian aggression and how China's position, ambiguous position, um, fits into uh, all of this. So they're simply, uh, I don't think that most of the citizens are aware that Chinese, China's more constructive, uh, more neutral position could help to end the war more quickly and also have a positive impact on, on our countries. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like look, looking at, at this, um, specifically before the war, um, how, how did the COVID-19 pandemic and, and really China's role in that also influence the, the, the relationship between the Western Balkans and China before uh, Russia's invasion even, uh, even happened? I think that contrary to most uh, European uh, countries, in the Western Balkans, COVID-19 contributed to uh, an improvement in the perception towards China. The pandemic obviously caught Europe unprepared and the EU was struggling to respond in a proper manner, uh, leaving in most of its activities the Western Balkans as non-member states outside. For instance, at the beginning of the pandemic, the EU introduced a ban on the exports of medical equipment and supplies. So all the Western Balkan countries found themselves really affected by this decision. And then China just used this situation to, to prove to be a reliable and credible partner by providing medical supplies, masks, uh, etc. And the situation repeated itself later on with the vaccines because these countries did not have vaccines due to their size. I mean, the whole region has a population that is less than Romania. The countries could not position themselves on the market and have access to Western manufactured vaccines. Some of the prime ministers, like North Macedonia's prime minister at the time, in the beginning were very firm in their positions that we don't want Chinese or Russian vaccines, we want Western vaccines. But then under public pressure, uh, due to the fact that we didn't have any vaccines at all, we decided to buy uh, Chinese and Russian vaccines. So most of the countries in the region were initially vaccinated with um, Chinese uh, vaccines. And this uh, situation portrayed China in a very positive light, in addition to the Chinese um, propaganda efforts uh, related to how China handled the pandemic versus the rest of the world. So uh, in the end, in most of the countries, uh, the perception towards China improved. For instance, in North Macedonia, if you consider NDI service 
in uh, 2018 and 2021, you see that the public, the positive perception on China increased from uh, 25% in 2018 to 38% in 2021. Mm -hmm. that, that, that's a significant increase. And um, I mean, China did did do a good job in, in, in that sense in, in helping the Western Balkans and, and using this tool of vaccine diplomacy to, to increase its stature in the region. If, if you now had to make the comparison between the past year and uh, and the years before and the success of vaccine diplomacy. Is China still reaping the the benefits from from those efforts in helping the Western Balkans during the COVID pandemic? Or is it particularly in the countries that you mentioned, Albania, North Macedonia, Montenegro? Is the Ukraine war that much more important that this benefit is greatly diminished now in terms of diplomatic promotion between the Western Balkans and China? Well, I, I think that we have already started to forget about COVID and focus more on the on the war. But probably what weighs most in terms of the engagement of these countries with China is the, the specific and concrete benefits that these countries uh, drew in the relationship in the past uh, 10 years, probably since the launch of the China CEE cooperation platform. So in the beginning, most of these countries had very high expectations that they would be exporting more to China, that they would receive Chinese FDI funding for infrastructure projects, etc. But throughout the years, I think that in most of the countries, with the exception of Serbia, these promises simply failed to materialize. And uh, with the exception of Serbia, China is not an important investor in the region. The total stock of Chinese FDI is below one or two percent. The difference in Serbia is that it amounts to around 15%, but then Serbia is a, a special case, um, I would say. And uh, I think that after COVID-19, and if we put aside the war in Ukraine, these countries somehow became aware that they are not um, managing to uh, draw any significant benefits in the relationship with China. And uh, to that effect, a couple of days ago, there was a statement by the Albanian prime minister that Albania didn't have any uh, benefit from the 17 plus one uh, format, but they are still staying in it uh, anyway, because uh, it doesn't cost them anything to stay, but it would probably have a very negative consequences if they leave, given the example of Lithuania, for instance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Super, super interesting. And that's indeed a statement that I also came across uh, a couple days ago in the news and something that I really wanted to touch upon uh, later in the podcast um, as well. Moving on a bit from uh, Western Balkans, China relations to also Europe's role in that and Europe's perception of the relationship between the Western Balkans and uh, and China. If we look at the European Union, there's a serious concern about this relationship. And there's a worry that uh, the Western Balkans is moving further away from the European Union and perhaps uh, adopting more positive stances towards China. Do you get the sense that such worries are warranted on the part of the European Union? And moreover, actually, how are Western Balkan countries actually managing this worsening relationship between the EU and China and being caught between the two? 
I don't think that uh, China holds the same strategic importance for the region uh, as the EU because China is simply not an alternative. It doesn't offer any integration prospects. It is not uh, like we are going to, to join any uh, Chinese-led um, initiatives. Uh, however, we need to bear in mind that the level of um, popularity that China has across the region uh, varies. So if we uh, take Serbia, for example, uh, Serbia has dispute uh, with uh, Kosovo and it finds uh, China and Russia as its most um, important uh, supporters on, on this issue. So that is why probably for Serbia, it is more difficult to somehow renounce of this uh, strategic partnership that it has uh, with China, because the most important aspect where it wants to leverage China's influence, it would be on the Kosovo issue. The other countries are not burdened with this type of, of issues. So for them, the EU is uh, the most uh, important trade partner, investor, uh, donor, and uh, they are uh, simply uh, not going to establish any closer relationship with China in strategic matters. They are certainly going to maintain the cooperation at a very symbolic level, and they are not going to do anything that may severe their relationship with China, but they are not going to engage in the same strategic cooperation that Serbia has with China. So in that case, I think that the, the, the fear about these countries somehow developing closer relations with China is, is mostly uh, inflated by uh, local governments who wanted to speed up the EU integration process, saying to the EU, see, if you do not integrate us uh, as soon as possible, then we have other uh, options. But in reality, the situation is quite different. And I think you know, for the Western Balkans, accession is, is a big, uh, big deal for a lot of countries wanting to join the European Union. And in recent years, we've heard a lot of talk about um, enlargement fatigue, uh, things taking too long, and uh, Western Balkan countries being a bit disillusioned with the road to, to, to EU membership. What role does that issue play in, uh, in this calculus? Well, I think it, it is just, just like I mentioned, China is used uh, as a sort of... Uh, of uh, uh, a uh, hypothetical alternative that uh, the Western Balkan countries uh, could have should the EU decide not to enlarge in the in the Western Balkans. But now, probably with the war in Ukraine, the whole question of enlargement becomes more geopolitical and gains in importance at the at the level of the EU and especially its member states uh, who have the final say in uh, in enlargement uh, policy. So we had a couple of days ago, uh, EPP's leader Manfred Weber talking about the pos possible uh, historical uh, enlargement, uh, probably something uh, the like of the Big Bang that, that happened um, in uh, 2004. And in my view, that would be probably the only way that the, the Western Balkan countries could join the EU in any perceivable future, given the enlargement fatigue on one hand, but also given the lack of tangible reforms uh, and the lack of political will to actually implement everything that the EU asks them to do on the European path. Thank you. This is incredibly interesting. And it's, it, 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 there are so many issues to, to juggle for the European Union, but also for Western Balkan countries. It's, it's very difficult. And um, 
for me on a personal level, I, I, I do hope that we can make a push uh, and really include uh, more Western Balkan countries in, in, in the European Union as, uh, as, as one big family. Shifting a bit from, from China actually to Taiwan, Taiwan hasn't been a particularly high priority for any of the Western Balkan countries. Um, and there are as of yet no Taiwan representative offices in the region. For a little bit of history, North Macedonia did recognize Taiwan for a short, for a brief moment between 1999 and 2001, but has adhered to the one China policy since. And Albania similarly briefly pursued an association of friendship with Taiwan, but abandoned the idea in favor of closer economic ties with China. Do you get a sense that in the current geopolitical climate that Taiwan-Western Balkan relations may enjoy some tailwinds? Do you see opportunities to, to develop that relationship, also in part due to the parallels that can be drawn between Russia's invasion of Ukraine and a possible Taiwan Strait conflict? I simply find it difficult to, to uh, believe that the, the developments could go in that um, direction. As you mentioned, Macedonia had a, a short flirt with, with Taiwan uh, 20 years ago. And the costs were uh, immense because as a result of our country's recognition of Taiwan, China vetoed the deployment of a United Nations preventative mission in the country. And in the context of deteriorated security environment with the war in Kosovo in 1999 uh, and the huge refugee wave and the spillover of the conflict, we then had an armed internal conflict in Macedonia in 2001. So I think that this was a lesson uh, learned. Um, moreover, in the meantime, the country didn't see any benefit of the engagement, of the short engagement with Taiwan. We were supposed to receive a 1 billion uh, USD grant in exchange for the recognition, but the citizens didn't see any uh, of, of these um, uh, funds. So I think that this would be probably a cautionary tale uh, for the, the region. In the Out of the six countries in the Western Balkans, it is only Kosovo that has some sort of relationship with Taiwan. So Taiwan recognizes Kosovo's independence. Kosovo still hasn't recognized Taiwan. But since 2021, they have a parliamentary friendship group. So it depends probably on Kosovo's calculations uh, regarding its future um, path, uh, whether uh, the dispute that they have with Serbia is likely to be resolved or not. With the current efforts by the EU to find a solution to the Kosovo-Serbia dispute, uh, maybe Kosovo will start to uh, intensify its uh, hopes and preparations to join the UN. And uh, in order to achieve that, it would need China on its side uh, and not Taiwan's that Taiwan support. So maybe that would have some influence on the future on the Kosovo-Taiwan relationship. But anyway, I think that for the rest of the countries, it is absolutely out of um, out of question that they would uh, warm up the relations with Taiwan and anger China in any way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as as you mentioned, perhaps the the, the Kosovo Taiwan parallel is a much more poignant one in the region than the parallel that some have drawn between Ukraine and Taiwan in uh, over the past year. And uh, it's it's very interesting to, to to hear you say that you know Kosovo may have to make that decision between supporting Taiwan, uh, who it feels is in a very similar position, 
or changing and adhering to the one China policy in, in pursuit of its own interest of, of joining the UN and gaining international recognition. I think that's that's a very tough choice that uh, I wouldn't wish uh, on anyone to have to make. Um, so you've you've mentioned some uh, some investments. You've mentioned that North Macedonia was promised a, a one billion dollar investment from Taiwan in exchange for recognition, and we've seen that last year Taiwan actually launched its uh, Central and Eastern Europe Investment Fund, promising to invest a mere two hundred million U.S. dollars in the region, only twenty to forty percent of which may uh, may be appealed to in the Western Balkans. Do you get the sense that? this fund is of any interest to, to to states in the Western Balkans? Do you think that they'll capitalize on this opportunity to make up for, I believe, the $7.7 billion um, dollar investment gap that exists? Or do you think it's really not of interest to, uh, to most of the states in the region? Well, as you mentioned in the case of Kosovo, I think that here we are dealing with power politics and most of the countries in the region being quite small in size will have to face some important political or geopolitical uh, decisions in terms of their alliances. So while I uh, do believe that most of them will um, stick to, to, to the Western uh, Euro-Atlantic uh, path, uh, I'm having a hard time imagining them using any um, funds from Taiwan in exchange for more meaningful uh, cooperation. And then again, at the same time, they were already offered infrastructure funding from China. In most of the cases, the projects were marred with controversies, uh, with um, overruns, prolongations, uh, etc. But uh, I think that uh, most of the countries uh, have uh, reached uh, their um, level of uh, indebtedness, so they are not likely to uh, take any more debt from China, but at the same time, probably not accept any such offerings from um, Taiwan in the broader geopolitical context, and given what it may cost them uh, in terms of the relationship with China. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I think I think I very much echo your your sentiment there, and it's also the things that happened with uh, with Lithuania are also very much a cautionary tale for anyone who is trying to move closer to to China in the in the current uh, situation of things. Um, that actually brings me to perhaps one of the biggest developments that we've seen recently is that in January of this year, the Czech president Petr Pavel. Uh, had a call right after his election was confirmed, had a call with Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen and expressed a very significant amount of support for Taiwan and a level of support that we haven't really seen from any sitting uh, EU leaders in, uh, in, in, in the past years or even decades. Um, do you do you foresee that that the Czech president will follow through on on the remarks that he made? Do you think he will actually visit Taiwan as he has promised, or do you think it's more of a campaign trail trick to um to 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 really you know support his cement his position as uh, Czechia's new president? Well, I don't think that this is the uh, idea or the ambition of the newly elected president alone. I think that in the Czech Republic, there is already an increasing support for closer relations with Taiwan, dating back to 2020 when the Senate president visited Taiwan. And now the president of the lower house is also planning to, to do the same in, in, in very near uh, future. 
Um, so I think that it is more of a national uh, position to somehow distance uh, from China and uh, have closer ties with uh, with Taiwan. So and even before the election of the new president, uh, the Czech Republic was already flirting with the idea to leave the China CE cooperation platform following the Baltic countries. So I don't think that this is an individual uh, position, but rather the result of maybe a, a broader uh, consensus in the Czech society. Mm -hmm. that, that actually perfectly leads to, to my follow-up question to this, which you've already mentioned, um, the 17 plus one, the, the China CE economic cooperation platform, uh, has already been reduced to a 14 plus one after the departure of Lithuania, Estonia, and Latvia. And now it seems that a 13 plus one is almost inevitable if Czechia continues along this path. That plus the fact that Eddie Rama made this comment that Albania experiences zero economic benefit from the cooperation initiative. What does that say about the future of economic and investment cooperation between China and Central and Eastern Europe, and particularly the Western Balkans. Is this an initiative that's doomed to fail, or do you still think it's going to be salvaged? I think it, it depends largely on China and on what China uh, decides to do next. I think that during the pandemic and even now, they have been engaged in some sort of introspection or analysis of what went wrong, uh, what could have been uh, done in a better way. So they, it is not, it is likely that they may come up with some sort of new proposals and new ideas how to further uh, develop the, uh, the platform with the uh, remaining countries. So it will all depend on China's offer because until now, most of the, the promises and the activities did not give the expected results. The countries are a bit reluctant to continue. And I have the feeling that they are tired of uh, all the promises, all the MOUs. There is an, an abundance, several hundreds of MOUs that have been uh, signed with no uh, follow up. So I think that if China is ready to propose something that would not be too strategic, like cooperation in the area of critical infrastructure, military or defense, because I think that is out of question for any of the countries in the region. Um, something that is more related to the economic uh, aspects of trade, commercial investments, etc. It may be uh, welcome to a certain extent um, in the in the Western Balkans, but a more um, strategic cooperation, uh, I don't think that it will be on the agenda. So probably it will be in the areas of agriculture, environment, etc. And China would try to find and explore ideas that will not be somehow rejected uh, outright by the countries in the region in line with their uh, NATO commitments or uh, EU integration uh, prospects. Mm -hmm. So to, to me, that really sounds like even though the Western Balkans has a relatively close relationship with China, there's also some fatigue, signs of fatigue starting to show there and, and disappointment and disillusionment. So if you had to, let's say, have a recommendation for the European Union, how to capitalize on, on this opportunity, what do you think that the European Union could really do to, to further cement its position as a partner of the Western Balkans and further reduce China's influence in the region? I think the uh, Montenegrin prime minister, after a recent visit to the United States, 
made a very bold statement to President Biden saying, if we if you want to reduce China's influence in the region, what you need to do without question is sanction corrupt politicians who work together with China. What do you think of such a bold statement coming out of a of a state leader in from the Western Balkans? And is that is that an actually actionable policy for the European Union? I wouldn't uh, necessarily make the link between corruption and China because it is absolutely not true that China taught Western Balkan politicians how to be corrupt. Uh, to the contrary, I think that China, by coming to the region, simply used uh, the, the the tools and the practices that it is quite well versed in, given the, the situation in China, and adapted to the rules of the game in the Western Balkans. So corruption in the Western Balkans is endemic, and it is not a Chinese uh, export. We should definitely, and the EU should definitely be supporting uh, the the fight against uh, corruption in cooperation with the US sanctioning corrupt politicians and officials but that is one aspect uh, because China's influence in the whole uh, corruption issue is maybe I don't know one percent and we still need to to deal with the remaining 99 uh, percent then speaking uh, of China I think that uh, the the, the countries in the Western Balkans do not have the luxury of not cooperating with China at all. But the cooperation should be done in a way that will uh, not be in violation of the basic values like democracy, rule of law, good governance, um, etc. So uh, the best uh, probably way uh, to be would be for um, these countries to find a way to use the Chinese cooperation to somehow support their EU integration. And I'm saying this because China is fundamentally not against the EU integration of the region. It, it is beneficial to China in itself to have new allies in the EU uh, at the uh, table when common foreign and security policy decisions are being made um, in the European single market, uh, etc. So uh, there are some specific ways how this could be done, for instance, both China's infrastructure funding and EU projects go more or less in the same corridors, uh, the trans-European network in terms of transport, why not in the area of environment uh, in, in light of the Green Deal and the Green Agenda in the Western Balkans as well. So there are areas uh, where the Chinese cooperation would could be synergetic with the EU uh, path of the region, but I think it is up to, to the, the countries themselves to find a way to somehow reconcile uh, this cooperation uh, while at the same time uh, remaining true to their um, EU uh, aspirations. Thank you for listening to the Frankly Speaking podcast. I was your host for today, Quinlan Reichs, and I sincerely hope that you enjoyed the episode. Please continue to follow Friends of Europe's broader body of work, as well as, of course, our podcast. For more information and more insights into the geopolitical questions of today, wherever you are, good morning, good evening, goodbye.